The scripture for today's sermon comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 6 through 20. The word of God speaks to us like this. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to the firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of God shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring the good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with an angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the, in the highest heaven, and the earth peace to those whom his favor rests. When the angels had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And they had seen him, and the word spread, and spread the word, concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard, heard it were amazed, and what shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all the things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of God to us. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Kylie. Well, good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here after Christmas. Everybody feels it a little bit. Man, we are glad your kids are here. We're glad your family's here. Uh, and, and please be sensitive to those around you, but don't carry any type of, uh, of burden or anxiety about what that is. And so we are thankful for our children. We're thankful for children being in here. And, and again, we just want to relieve any pressure that parents Moms certainly feel this, but dads feel it in another way. And so uh, just, just hear that. We're glad you're here. So uh, we get to step into this. A, a day after Christmas, uh, we've been walking through a series of uh, sermons around Advent. And we get to just step into this moment and say, God, what are you doing? And there's some stories directly around the birth that happen after the birth. And this is one of them. We get to talk about the shepherds today. And again, another, we've heard shepherds, we've seen the, the lawn art of shepherds kind of cut out in this nativity scene and things. We want to like see them with fresh eyes and, and they actually help us when we're talking through all the longings that we have. Longings that every single person on the planet has. Where am I going to find hope? Where am I going to find peace? Where am I going to find joy and love? Well, every single person on the planet asks these questions. And yet the Bible gives a really clear and specific uh, answer to those questions. We, we ask about purpose and meaning to life. Like, what am I here for? What am I on this place for? Why am I going through grief and, and sadness? What, is, what does all this amount to? Again, the Bible gives real answers to these things. And I think the shepherds help us in this moment. We've noticed as we walk through this section how many times God sends signs again and again from the beginning pages of Scripture all the way to where we are here in Luke 2 and then beyond. There are signs all over the place that this God is trustworthy, that what he says he does. There are signs to be seen. 
And yet we also see as we walk through this, there are questions. Just because there are signs and just because there are amazing moments, it doesn't alleviate the fact that there are still questions. So Mary is promised this child. Uh, she sees that she is pregnant miraculously. And if no one else believed her, Mary actually knew that this is a miraculous pregnancy. Like, here's this sign that is so true growing in here. And, and yet you have to believe that Mary still had so many questions. It, just because there's belief doesn't mean the questions are gone. And we get to kind of step into it this morning. This morning we want to... We want to ask a number of questions from this text. We want to, we want to just kind of walk through with a number of questions and, and just see what the Bible says it for it. And then we want to also look for signs. Look for the signs that God is giving both to these people and to us. And this, this really does matter. So I hope that you'll join me in this. I, I want to pray for you. I want you to pray for me. And, and just say God would meet us this morning. Father, we thank you. We need you. Not one of us needs to just go through the motions this morning with happy, happy, nice thoughts that don't amount to much. We're, we're all kind of saying, God, if you're real, help me to see it. And, and so I pray that you would this morning, God, that you would meet us, that you would stir our, our hearts, our minds our affections, our faith, that you would give faith this morning and help us to believe. Help us to believe. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Recently I came across a, I came across a study that, that kind of put its finger on something that I almost instinctively recognize. It seems like people have studied and, and, and really kind of come to realize a phenomenon that happens amongst, uh, according to the study that I was reading, roughly 70% of people. Now, I don't know how they got that. We don't need to argue all those types of things. But, like, I, I do think that it affects a lot of people. It's called, the, this phenomenon, it has a title, it's called the imposter syndrome. And it came out of people studying business environments and recognizing that so many people in business environments were like feeling like they, they just didn't measure up, that they weren't good enough for the job that they had. Or they, they always, were wondering these things, if like, am I just a fraud in this? It's interesting that this came out of a, of a business study, but the reality is so many of us experience this in other areas of life. We experience this relationally with people. We're like, man, I think they, we, we might be friends, but I'm not sure. If they, if they knew this about me, would they still be my friend? Or if I, if I didn't do this for them, would they still be my friend? We know this relationally, and, and it just continues to sow doubt in our lives. It, we come back again and again to this spot where it's like, I'm, I'm just not really sure. It, we could just name it. It's this imposter syndrome. This happens in church. We, we see people again in church having similar stuff of like, like, I know God says this, but if God knew that, just stop right there. If he's God, he knows. If God knew that about me, if God saw this part of my life, friends, he does. He does. All of scripture tells us that God knows and God still comes and God still receives us. And God sees the messiest parts of your life and the parts that are invisible to everyone else. God sees and yet he still reaches out to us. And, and yet people who go to church again and again and again can still be caught up not believing the gospel but feeling like an imposter. 
carry this in us. Listen, I, I'm just going to be as raw and honest with you as I can. Like, I carry this. I didn't grow up in church. I carry this. I'm constantly like, I don't know where that is. I don't remember this. I don't, I don't know that. And, and I don't want to speak for the other guys who preach regularly, but I'll just name it for myself. There is no worse time in my week to be a pastor than driving home from preaching. No worse time. It's that imposter syndrome that speaks so loud in that voice in your head that just says, man, you're not anything. You know all the mess in your life. You know all these spots. And it's this constant game tape of the enemy speaking and, and trying to be like, God, where are we in this? It, you might not be someone who says you're, you, you, you don't even know if you believe any of this Bible stuff. But I'm guessing that you wrestle with these things. 70% of people in the business world apparently wrestle with these things. I think, I think it's far more than the business world. We keep coming back to these spaces in our life where we're like, I'm not sure if I belong. I'm not sure what this means. I'm not sure what this looks like. I'm not sure how to do these things. This text actually gives us hope. We get to look at these shepherds. These shepherds in which God really is speaking something there for anybody in here who is like, man, I'm not, I'm not sure if God could receive me. Maybe you wrestle with, like, faith in general, and it keeps coming back to, like, man, God's done with me. And what the Bible says over and over again, the, the loud and clear message of the Bible is that God is not done with you. He's not done with you. He hasn't given up on you. He hasn't, he hasn't turned his back on you. He is not running from you. In fact, the hope in Advent, the hope of the long story of the gospel is that God is coming to you in your story. We get to see that right here. Look with me at Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And in the same region, that same region in which Mary and Joseph are, in that same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock. Let's just kind of stop there for a second. Like why, why do we suddenly have a story centering around shepherds? Like what's up with the shepherds in this story? It, it, so it, it, we, we just kind of keep coming back to it. We, the Christians talk a lot about shepherds. And we, we kind of have paintings and all sorts of beautiful things around shepherds. But the reality is, what we often miss, is that this was not sought-after work. This was not the one that you really polish up your resume for. Uh, shepherding work was like the lowest of it. This is, this is not status symbol stuff. This isn't a high-profile career path. There's no real upward mobility in this. Shepherds were hard workers. They were dirty-fingered. They were rough around the edges. They used colorful language. In fact, they couldn't even give a testimony in court. Think about that. Like, here's an entire profession in which if, if there's a dispute and this needed to be, uh, like, weighed out by a judge, they wouldn't even ask the shepherds. They didn't even get to do that. These guys, if, if there's a caste system right here in this world, like, this is the lowest of the caste system. And we talk about it a lot. We talk about what it means to be a shepherd and all of those things. And we do that for good reasons. We're not just making stuff up. The Bible talks about shepherds a lot. God talks about shepherds a lot. We have this again and again. When, when God appeared 
in a burning bush? Where is he? Far out in the desert, in this Midianite desert, he's talking to a guy out tending sheep. The long story of that is Moses. And we know that God takes this guy who thinks that he threw away his life. He's running away. And God meets this guy right in it. And, and, and he's tending sheep out here. Later on, when, when God forms Israel as a real country, when, when God forms this place, who does he use? He uses a young boy tending sheep. He takes David from the flock. And he raises David up. The one that everyone else is like, oh, that's a, he's the lunch bringer. David is the one that gets used. When we read the prophets, you get to this really like part that a lot of people just skip in the Bible, the prophets. You get to Amos, a shepherd that God called into service for himself. And it's into this space that God chooses to make his first announcement of Messiah, of his son, Jesus. It's into these people that God makes the very first gospel proclamation of all of it in the world right here. To, to a people full of insecurities, to a people full of questions, to a people full of fear and failure, to a people who probably knew imposter syndrome long before it had a title. Guys who were probably more comfortable on the outskirts of town rather than in the middle of town. And that's probably a lot of us. We recognize, like, man, that's not for me. I hear more people come to church, and they'll tell me, like, I don't really understand church. I don't understand. I don't, I don't. Those people aren't like me. I hear more people tell me, like, I'm not good enough. I'll, I'll come to church when I clean myself up. Where the shepherds speak to us and what we see through the lives of the shepherds, with the sign that we see through the shepherds is that God doesn't need you to clean yourself up. That's his business. And so we get to this next part, verse 9. These shepherds in the field doing shepherd's work, tending their flock, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. That's the like no-duh part of this text. Yeah, they're out there in the dark. Remember, they're not like city lights out here. They're, they're out here in the dark, on the field, uh, whatever uh, light of the moon is out there. And then an angel shows up and you're, they're like, and it says, thankfully for us, I mean, because we would have missed this, they were afraid. They were afraid. Why were they afraid? The obvious is that the angel shows up and that's scary. There's other spots in the Bible in which they're trembling. Every time an angel shows up, there's this like disclaimer, hey, don't be afraid about this. We're going to get here. There's a, a fear that they don't measure up, right? Whatever an angel is showing up in my life for, I'm not good enough for that task. Whatever is happening in which an angel is showing up, I am not there. We're talking about real people, too. There has to be this thought that they keep coming back to you. I know I feel it. I'm sure a lot of you might feel this. So I'm just going to project on you a little bit, and we'll see how it goes. God can't use a person like me. Or 
maybe you've got this in your head where you're thinking, this is a step further down that scale, which is worse. God won't use a person like me. And I'm guessing that these shepherds probably feel similar things. My guess is that's a number of you this morning. That we can say nice things about God, we can say nice things about the, the Bible, but if we really got below the surface, we would unearth this can't and this won't with God. We hear it again and again. I, I, I can come to church, but God couldn't use me. I can, I, I'll come to that. I'll, I'll be a part of it, but God won't do, won't use a person like me. He won't do it. So I want you to hang on, and you, I want you to see this. There's, there's like, why, why is God speaking to shepherds, and why is an angel there? Why are they afraid in this? And, and like, why? Well, because they're real people just like us, carrying real fears and real insecurities and, and real doubts and real questions. They're, they're just like us. And, and so we get this, verse 10 starts to unpack this even more for us. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And catch this. Underline this in your Bible. Get it tattooed on your body today if you're going to do that. Something like that. Like, this will be a sign for you. And this will be a sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, like, here it is. You get this huge announcement. And then, and suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. Be a human for a second. Recognize, if they're scared by one. <laughs> heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace among those with whom God, with whom he is pleased. Like, why do they need a sign? Why do they need a sign? They need a sign to help them believe. Do they have enough to believe? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. But this loving God who cares about people, who understands humanity. It's as if he created humanity. This God actually speaks to us, knows that we carry with us all these doubts and things. And not only sends an angel, not only gives them this word, but then sends the whole choir to be like, hey, I'm just going to drill down on this point. You need to believe me. Why, why do they need a sign? Because they're full of the couldn'ts and the wouldn'ts. God couldn't do this. God wouldn't do this with people like us. They're full of it. It's, it's, God didn't need to add extra angels. But he did, again, just because he is tender and he's loving. Think about this Jesus as he grows up. People who were cast off, people who were far uh, away, 
There's people who are outcasts of society. And, and Jesus could have just said, hey, come and follow me. And he does say that. He says, follow after me. There's a, there's a sense in which we have to follow after Jesus. But what we see again and again is like Jesus goes to the cast off, to the exile, to the one who no one wants to be with. And he sits in their house and he breaks bread with them. He shares a meal with them. To the leper, the person whose uh, body is falling apart, their skin is falling apart, and it is truly penalty of death to come near this person. Jesus could have said, hey, I'm going to stay over here, but you're healed. Let's go. No. What does it tell us that Jesus did? He touched him. He touched him. Why? Because he cares. Because it's Jesus who closes the gap. It's Jesus who goes to these things. And Jesus, Jesus is not separated from God. Like God cares. He cares. And then we have this moment where everything went quiet. Read with me. Verse 15, it says this. When the angels went away from them into heaven. Don't just cruise past that. You have this amazing bright spot that puts the Yukon Christmas light show to shame. And then as quickly as it came, it stopped. And there's a real moment of believing what you've heard. They had to believe. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And so what was the response? And there was a moment for these Shepherds right there, right? There was this moment where, where a moment of truth. Here is something that's happened, and now there's a response. It demands a response. They're going to respond one way or the other. Either they're going to sit and not do anything, which is a response, or they're going to get up and they're going to go. They certainly do not have all the questions that they would like answered. They don't have all the facts. They don't even know the address exactly, but they have enough to believe. The lights went away. They're facing this moment of all the coulds and the shoulds. They're facing this moment with like, God couldn't possibly be telling us. Who is, he's going to tell kings or he's going to tell somebody else. God's not telling us about this. They had all those questions. It's a moment where they would either act in faith or just sit with their questions. And there's no way. There's no way that they had all of it. There's no way that they had all the details that they wanted. And yet they had enough. And so what do we see in this text? What do we see in this passage about God? What is it telling us about who God is? And, and, and what we're supposed to, to take about it? Well, one thing is that God entrusted these shepherds. With this very first message of Jesus. These people, God cares. 
There is no one too far gone for God's care. There's nothing that you've done that is too far for God to care about you. What we also see is that God keeps his word. We're told in the text that they found it exactly as had been described. This is a detail-specific God who cares. Now, sometimes we come, against, uh, come up against moments in which we wrongly interpret it. We, we come up to it in which we're full of expectations and think, well, it's going to be like this, and God does it a different way. And yet, God cares about the details. He keeps his word. And yet what we also see in this moment, in this text, what we see, these people go, they tell Mary and Joseph everything that they heard, what the angels uh, had told them. They, and you just kind of hear, it's like ten voices just rapid fire telling them. And then this happened, and then this happened, and then more angels showed up. And what we get is that Mary treasured all of it. Do you see how tender that is? What a gift to Mary to help her believe that these people who couldn't even testify in court, who their word meant nothing in the court of law, meant everything to Mary. That God so tenderly used these people who felt like they couldn't be used or wouldn't be used, and God already had a plan and a purpose for all of it. So what's that message for you and for me? What's that message for you and for me? Well, part of it is that they heard the gospel. These shepherds heard this first gospel announcement. They heard it. And what did they do? They literally came to Jesus. They saw they believed, and then they shared it with other people. Everyone that heard it was amazed. Everyone that heard it was filled with more questions. Everyone that heard it was stirred up. Notice what this has to do with us. They heard the gospel. Hey, friends, if you've been with us today or any other day, you have heard the gospel. This gospel of Jesus who has come miraculously, this one sent from heaven to this place, to your longings, to my longings. This one who has come, who lived this perfect life for you and for me. Who died on a cross, which we're told in scripture is literally his sin, our sins nailed to the cross. Died and he rose again, conquering death. Paying that price that you and I never could. Notice how personal this story is. We're not just trying to get you back to thinking about yourself. No, this story actually does it. Verse 11 says this. For unto you. Imagine being those shepherds out there. This isn't just a broad, generic message. This is a message for you, and for you, and for you, and for you. For unto you is born, 
is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Those shepherds found a glorious God who surprised them. Glorious God. What we're told is that they would find peace right there with that one. They'd find peace. Not a ceasefire of two like countries out there battling. Not some just peace that will last a day or two. Not a cynical peace that's like, oh yeah, we'll just kind of say nice things but still hate each other inside. Not the, the cynical peace of someone like Napoleon who, who says this. If, if you want peace, prepare for war. No, what they would find is real peace that goes beyond all of this. Peace with God. A transcendent peace. Which brings to an end all of the conflict that our sin has brought upon us. All of that peace, all of that is found in Jesus. The life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I'm going to pull aside from Luke for just a second. Because Romans tells us, it, it just concisely puts us in a place for us that we can see. Romans 5 says this. Therefore, since we have been justified, made right by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. You see, the shepherds bring us hope, man. The church is not some super organization of, uh, of really awesome people, superheroes of it. Man, the church is full of people just like these shepherds. Dirty fingers. Feel better on the outskirts of town than at the ballroom. The church is full of people that have all sorts of questions. People who struggle with God couldn't do this in my life and God wouldn't. And yet stand and say, you're my only hope. Broken men and women who simply know where to find Jesus. Where to find peace. It's in him. And that's my story too. That's my story as well. To this day, it doesn't stop being my story. I'm not a Christian because I've had all of my answers or all the questions answered in my life. I'm not a Christian because somehow like, I just like, pull myself up by the bootstrap and feel good about it all the time. I'm not a Christian because I don't have any sin. I have more sin than I would like to admit. I'm a Christian because I've found hope in no other place but Jesus. With all my questions, with all my fears, with all my insecurities, with all my struggles, I'm a Christian because I've found hope and answers in no place else but Jesus. And I've tried. I'm a Christian because this loving God 
lined up my path with signs of his great love. He used people. He used people to walk in it, but those people didn't save me. He used churches that helped me, but those churches didn't save me. He used books and other things, and those, those books taught me so much, but those things didn't save me. I'm a Christian because I have no other hope in this life or the next apart from Jesus. We sang it earlier. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Will you pray with me?